Hello and welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. I'm Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the enigmatic Bob DeMille. <laughs> Bob, why don't you tell us what we have going on the show today? You're so nice. All right, so today the, the show's awesome, as usual. But before we get into the episode, I just want to run through what we have going on behind the scenes. Uh, we have our typical social media platforms up and running uh, Facebook, Instagram, we have our email, thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com, where you can reach us, reach out to us directly, and please rate us on iTunes. We will appreciate it so much if you can do that. We also have an operating Patreon page. If you're interested in that, check it out. We will also appreciate that, and we will be releasing Patreon-only content. Look for that in the future. And our guest today is a close friend of mine from college. She grew up in a military family, and she actually lived in Sicily for four years. Um, she is very passionate about backpacking and biking, and some would say even bikepacking. And she's been helping to fight wildfires in the Midwest for the last few years. But today, she will specifically be discussing her trip to Chile. Please give a warm welcome to Lena Montopoli. <laughs> Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome, Lena. Glad to have you on the show. What are you excited to talk about today? <laughs> um, I don't know. I was thinking about that before you called. Um, obviously, I feel like the things that you've done most recently are the things that kind of stick out, you know? Um, and my my biggest, or I guess... My last trip was to Europe uh, with Manda. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah. But, oh, you guys went uh, to Copenhagen together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, which I was actually just thinking about because I went to a stand-up comedy show the other day and, and we went to one while we were there, which was super funny because um, it was you know mostly non, non-native English speakers doing stand-up comedy, which is really, <laughs> I don't know, I thought it was super admirable. Like That's really difficult to, to try to learn another language and then you know, make puns and, you know, mess around with the language on top of that was pretty cool to see. But um, I guess the last trip before that um, was biking through Patagonia in on the Chilean side of Patagonia. Um, and uh, that was a trip I did by myself. I met some really awesome people I actually stayed in the apartment of um, one of the guys that I met there when I went to London. Um, he, he was from, or he, he's got an apartment in London. So I met him in Chile. And then when I went to London, I crashed at his place, which was like what you were just talking about. You know, you meet all these awesome people and then, you know, you look at a world map and you're like, that's crazy. Like I got people (laughs) all over. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was definitely one of my more, I would say life changing, um, experiences was, was that bike trip, uh, just cause it was, New for me, it was the first bike packing trip I ever went on and um, started off kind of rough because <laughs> I couldn't take my bike <laughs> with me on the plane. So <laughs> I uh, had to I had to fly down there and get a different bicycle than the one that I had spent months like working on and um, getting exactly how I wanted. Um, so, yeah, that was like I, and then kind of from there it was almost kind of liberating in a way because i was like all right well that's probably as far wrong as this could go just right off the bat um so (laughs) it was kind of nice i was like sweet everything after this is just going to be a breeze which it definitely was not (laughs) but um yeah it was it was nice to sort of have my expectations um you know just thrown out the window basically on day one on that trip and just be able to kind of go with the flow after that but that's that's awesome. Here, real quick, Elliot, are you recording yet? Yes. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's one of the things that I, I found very interesting about your your little bio that you sent us was that you like to travel without any specific plan. Like, I think you put it, no itinerary, which, yeah. I mean, Elliot knows me, so I am a, oh, yeah. I, I plan things out, <laughs> like, to the T. Yeah. So, well, part of part of how you know how my traveling goes for work, they'll send me somewhere, and if I want to see something and cram it into my work my work schedule, I have to plan it out very well. Yeah. So I know how much time I have, you know, for work, and then how long the drive is going to take me to do what I have to do to possibly go back, you know, to my hotel near the work site tomorrow. 
So I have to. And I've sort of taken yeah. that um, with me into like my personal travel. But mm-hmm. I really want to hear, you know, how you do it because you are the polar opposite of me and thinking <laughs> about it gives me anxiety. So I'm very curious <laughs> how how it works. It really does. So before you get into it, Lena, I don't know if you noticed <laughs> the name of the of what we're creating is the Traveler's Blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> so I have seen some of Bob's itineraries. <laughs> They're down, the one he did for the Balkans for his honeymoon, it was not only down to the hour, but sometimes down to the quarter hour. <laughs> now, all right, in my, in my defense, we it was a road trip. <laughs> we had reservations at hotels, like, and and it's, it's really the, the, the driving um, fo- factor for me to plan them out like that is because I just want to cram so much into it and I want to do everything. And my wife is on board too. So in yeah. order for us to make sure we just cram everything we can in to the limited time we have um, for traveling and to make sure we see it all and, and we do it efficiently, that's it, That's the best way that, you know, we found works for us. And now I know it. Right. there's a ton of different travel styles and some people would rather miss things and do it leisurely. And that's what's great about talking to all these different people and hearing their travel stories. But yeah, so that's why when I saw that, I was like, ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm amassing her about that because I'm really curious. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I know I know that um, it's kind of funny to hear that, that you say that the openness of the way that I travel gives you anxiety because uh, itineraries like that are like make me very anxious because um, I feel like uh, for me, that turns these trips into um, more of like a checklist. Uh, and and then if I have made a plan and something comes up, which inevitably it does, you know, I don't know, on a road trip, for example, your car might break down or, um, you know, there might be some type of weather that keeps you from driving to a certain place or whatever. Um, then if I've made a plan like that and it goes wrong, I get really you know, that makes me very anxious. So, um, in order to prevent that, I kind of go totally the other direction, um, and just try to leave everything completely open. Um, and you know, that, that has its pros and cons too. Like there are definitely days, uh, where I just, you know, I'll get up and I'm like, well, (laughs) I don't really know what I'm going to do today. And generally that means that, um, you know, if I, if I'm on foot or, you know, backpacking or something, that means that I'll probably just walk out the door of wherever I've stayed, which I also almost never plan in advance. Um, and, uh, yeah. So you don't even know where you're staying until what you arrive and then you figure it out. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, yeah, it just depends. Like when I, when we went to, uh, Copenhagen, for example, we got like an Airbnb and that was planned and everything. Um, but uh, one of the advantages I think of staying, of traveling alone, um, is that it's, it's always, you can always find somewhere to stay for one person. Like that's never, there's always a place that has a room or you meet somebody at the place that you stayed at the night before and they, you know, have rented a house with their friends or something. I don't know. There's just always an option if you're just one person. Um, and it's crazy how those options appear sometimes are most often through other people that you meet while traveling or, um, yeah, you know, just like going to events or shows or something and meeting people. And then, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've just gone to some random thing and then some, you know, usually it's a woman cause that's just a safer option, uh, for, for both people. Right. Um, yeah you know, it's like, oh, you don't like, why don't you just come stay with us or like stay with my family or, you know, my brother's got an extra room or, you know, just stuff like that. Um, it, it's, it's incredible how kind people are, especially when you're, you know, a foreigner in their country um, and how, how much of their life they'll share with you all the way down to, you know, just opening up their home entirely. Um, yeah. So I, I generally don't like that. I mean, that bike packing trip, I had, you know, no reservations anywhere and I camped about, uh, about half the time, uh, I would say. And then, um, you know, there were a few days that were just random interactions like that. And then, um, there were just tiny, tiny towns along the way, um, where you literally couldn't, I mean, there's no way to make a reservation. They don't have a website or, uh, you know, a functional phone number. 
you just kind of show up and it's like this lady who has two extra rooms in her house. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> you know, so some of that's just the circumstances, like some of these places, the more rural areas, it's not, you can't plan ahead like that. Cause there's not, um, I guess the online presence or the, you know, they don't have deals with travel agents or anything like that. They're just kind of these people with this side business, um, that, that caters to, you know, the more, the more rural traveler. So, right. um, yeah. And I, I don't know, I find that to be pretty freeing because then no matter how my day goes, I had no expectations for it. So that's just how the day went. It's not, it didn't go, it didn't go well or poorly. It just was a day. And, uh, for me that works really well. Cause otherwise if I set a bunch of expectations up or a bunch of things that I want to see and I don't make it to all of them, then I feel like I've somehow like failed, you know, on my vacation, which is <laughs> <Right>. not, <laughs> you know, right. I'm not trying to feel like, yeah, it's like meant I to be relaxing, up. right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah, I don't and understand. I totally, and I've met, you know, people <laughs> on the total opposite end of the spectrum for, for who that's very not relaxing. It's stressful to wake up and not have a plan. And I totally get that. Like, that's how I function at home is I'm very organized and, and every minute of every day is planned out, um, you know, in my home life. Uh, so yeah, for me, these trips are kind of a chance to, to get away from that and not feel so, um, like constricted by that kind of schedule. Yeah, yeah. that it's incredible. So there's a few things that I, I was thinking as you were saying that. So one, how it's incredible how friendly people are to let mm -hmm. someone that they just met into their home. And I don't think foreigners, you're, you know, coming to the United States have that privilege because in my experience dealing with fellow Americans, we're just not as nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially with like letting strangers into our home and sleep for the night. I've never, I've never heard of an example of that ever in the United States, but I, you're not the first person to say that you met people while traveling and, and were able to stay um, mm -hmm. over with them. So that's, I don't know, maybe if you're listening to this and you, you, we're traveling to the United States and you ended up staying. I want to hear about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but so if you are, if, if you were able to relay tips and um, advice for someone, a woman specifically traveling to a foreign country, like how do you know who to stay with? How do you, how do you figure it all out? You know, you're out on your own and you're trying to find somewhere to sleep and things to do and the right people to meet. Do you have, like you know guidelines you know internally that you're thinking about as you're you know on the road and meeting these people like okay this is a good option you know i trust this person because of this um how do you do you have like advice for anybody you know for someone else who, who might want to follow in your footsteps of traveling uh spontaneously <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean you know i guess the the big thing is that I, I try not to do anything stupid. I don't travel to places that are unsafe. Um, you know, I don't travel to places in conflict by myself or, you know, places where, um, societally, you know, women are, are treated as lesser, uh, you know, there's a danger there. Like this, this trip to Chile is one of the safest biking trips that you can go on. Um, and I did quite a bit of research before I decided that that was where I was going to go because <laughs> I was, I always think of my mom, honestly, in these situations, I'm like, would she, would she, you know, would this be something that it would be embarrassing to tell my mom that I ended up in this situation? Because I, I know better, like I grew up in a city, I have street smarts and I, and I know what's, um, you know, what, what's dangerous, what are dangerous situations. And, um, yeah, it, it sucks a little bit that it's a reality that traveling alone as a woman is just inherently going to be a little bit more risky, um, than traveling alone as a man. Um, but I also, you know, generally I feel like as you're traveling and this is what we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, you meet people and they might not be people that you end up traveling with, but, um, you know, you might hang out with them for a day or two and you sort of end up in these, um, groups that are coming together and moving apart. A lot of times when you're traveling, you end up sort of on the same route as another group or another few people. Um, and so it's kind of this informal, you see each other every few days and it's just kind of a check-in, you know? Um, and then I, I do 
tell somebody what my plan is and what my planned route is. Uh, and I try to check in as often as possible. I mean, when I was in Chile, that was um, every few days and sometimes once a week um, that I would, you know, email my parents and just be like, this is where I am and this is where I plan to be in the next few days. Um, and this is when I plan to next be able to contact you. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the same as if you're going on a backpacking trip in the United States by yourself or even with a buddy, you just, you need to tell somebody what your loose plan is so that if they don't hear from you, you know, two weeks later, they at least know where the general area is that you were. Um, and yeah, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm just lucky, but I have, I have been able to kind of just follow my gut feeling in terms of meeting new people. And, um, you know, I've ended up in a few somewhat sketchy situations where I was like, okay, <laughs> this was not the greatest idea in the world, but I have a way to get out of it. You know, you always leave yourself an option to, to get out, you know, whether that's, uh, not going with somebody alone, you know, to somewhere where only they can, only they have a car that can get you back out of that area. Or, you know, alternatively, you can just be like, all right, I'll meet you over there. I'm going to bike over, I'll meet you over there. And then you at least have a way to leave. Um, you know, just doing the same things you do at home when you go out to the bar with your friends or whatever, just giving yourself, you know, options to, to exit the situation. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think just those, those same street smarts things that apply in any, you know, big city or really anywhere in the United States are pretty applicable in other countries. It helps for me that I, uh, can speak like conversational Spanish and, um, can sort of, you know, deal with that language barrier when I do travel to Spanish-speaking countries. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess that's that's what I would say about that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in particular that I do. And then, yeah, the biggest thing I think is just researching before you go. Like, um, you know, for the couple days that I was in Santiago, when I was in Chile, I did, I had reserved uh, Airbnbs in advance and you know, I always make sure they're ones with a lot of reviews that are in well-traveled areas. They're not in some sketchy neighborhood in the corner of the city somewhere where like only one person has ever stayed there. Um, and just taking those precautions and letting people know where you're going to be. That's yeah. pretty awesome. So, uh, so it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's always kind of a gamble. You know, you, I know terrible things happen, but, um, you know, all the statistics about all that stuff or whatever, it's like the chances of anything happening in that context are pretty low. Uh, and that, I don't know, I find, I find comfort in that, in the statistics, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. you use any specific sites to research or do you just kind of Google search your way through? And when you're um, trying to figure out if a place is safe to travel alone? Yeah, I pretty much just Google. Uh, usually, like, usually I end up on, I know, like, Outside Magazine's website has a lot of information about, you know, tri trips all over the world. Um, but, yeah, pretty much I just Google stuff. And then at some point, usually I'll actually buy, you know, a physical book of some kind, whether that's, like, a Lonely Planet guide or something along those lines, which can be kind of kitschy, you know. A lot of those just kind of highlight the same five things that everybody does, but, uh, it's at least a good, like starting off point. And then if I do have one of those totally unplanned days, especially if I'm in a city and I can't find anything that I want to do, you know, I can just whip that out and have that always be sort of a back pocket resource of like, you know, the, the really big things that, you know, are probably worthwhile to see in whatever country you end up in. So, um, yeah, generally I just, Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. I've I found right. uh, yeah, I love taking those things. I I think people now underestimate um how useful they can be. People use the internet for everything and you always think you're going to have your phone on you so you can always look something up. But they can be very resourceful, especially once you go to the back, they help they, you know, they have a few words in that foreign language for whatever country you're in. Um they they give you ideas of like what neighborhoods are good, what food, what restaurants are good to eat and a lot of them are small enough to where you can put them in your pocket or, you know, in your backpack. I, I really enjoyed having mine um, when I went through Croatia uh, earlier this year. I nice. found it, I found there a lot of, yeah, a lot of good tips in there. So I'd recommend. Yeah, and there's always, always like, there's always a few maps that are helpful. And yeah, uh, yeah, kind of, I used to, I used to kind of 
hate on those <laughs> books because I was like, oh, it's the stuff everybody does. But right. first of all, there's a reason everybody does that stuff. Some of it's like really worthwhile and it might be crowded or whatever, but it doesn't mean it's not worth your time. And then, yeah, like you said, there's always, you know, there's like cultural information or like the history of the city that you're in. So you just have a better of understanding when you're walking around of, you know, what it might have looked like, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, 5,000 years ago. Um, right. Yeah. 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 That's I a think good point. those can be helpful. Yeah. 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 I really, that's something I, after you said that, I just realized that the, the history. So, you know, not only do they tell you what landmarks are good to see, but then they also just you typically have like a paragraph after of, you know, mm-hmm. the history of it and why it's, why it is such a popular tourist destination. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't hurt to just pick one up and have it with you, read it on the, the plane on your way out there. And, you know, you don't necessarily need to, to mold your itinerary around everything in that book, but it's a good resource for sure. Yeah, totally. So yeah. Lena, I did want to go back a little bit. Um, so you said you used Airbnb and you kind of just wing it when you're finding places. Do you ever use couch surfing? <laughs> yeah. Um, less lately, which I don't know why exactly actually. Um, but the first time, so I studied abroad in Costa Rica in 2012. And then when that program ended, I stayed in country for about a month afterwards and, um, ended up couch surfing pretty much that whole time. Um, but it's a lot, I guess it takes a lot more time to organize that because since you're not paying, people can be pretty flaky about, um, you know, they'll accept you to stay. And then an hour before you show up, they'll, they'll send you some message, which you, you know, you don't have cell phone service, so you don't get it. And (laughs) then you show up at their house and they're not there. And, um, you know, because there's no money involved, the obligation to sort of follow through, uh, is much lower. And then on, on the other end as a traveler, you know, I always, you're staying there for free. So, you know, you're not, you're trying to do something. You want to cook them dinner or at least bring them, you know, a six pack or something like, uh, and, and that, and that can be, um, that can be awesome. Cause then you get to spend more time with the actual, with the people that you're staying with. Um, but it can also detract from if you're trying to do other things, uh, you end up, I feel like you end up spending more like time, you know, in the house with the person because there's no financial exchange. So it's kind of understood that there should be some cultural exchange, which is totally great. Um, but different trips that I've been on, I've, wanted to do that more or less depending on whether or not I was like more on a schedule and needed to get somewhere or just kind of wanted to hang out with people for a couple of days or a week or whatever. So, okay. yeah, I love couch surfing, but it's definitely, uh, it's going to be more of like a time or I think it should be more of a time commitment to those people because you're not paying them. So you should be doing something for them, you know? Okay. And it sounds like it's, yeah. it's better if you can plan ahead and it depends on the situation and the place you're traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's also, um, I think that's kind of the other trade off, like with couch surfing and with that trip in Costa Rica, I actually did start planning that a couple months in advance because there was a lot of exchanging emails with people on couch surfing to try to nail down being able to stay different places. Whereas Airbnb, I think they have that option where you don't even have to get like an approval. You can just book it right then. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, if you need a place like right now, <laughs> um, sometimes that's a better option, but then, you know, on the flip side, like when I was living in Colorado, I had somebody on couch surfing, stay with me, uh, you know, and he, he sent me a message and like 10 minutes later, you know, I was like, yeah, just come on over. And he, 10 minutes later, he was at my house and he just crashed there for a couple nights. And, um, so, you know, it, it works. Both of them can work both ways. Uh, it's just, it's more of a gamble with couch surfing. Cause you just, yeah, you never know. And people don't feel obligated to like follow through so much. And from like a, a safety perspective, is there a way to screen these people? You know, when you had this guy come over, is it just sort of, you know, you get a feel for them and nothing more or how does that, how does that work? I've never used it. Yeah. So there's reviews. Um, so uh, you leave a review for the guests and the guest le- leaves a review for you as a host. Um, and I don't have any like strict number of reviews cut off or anything, but, uh, generally if it's a dude and they have no reviews, um, I'm not, I'm not going to have them stay with me unless, uh, you know, unless it's, it's 
like one of the houses that we were at uh, in Missoula last year, we had some couch surfers stay and that was a house. I mean, there were six other people living in that house. So I felt totally fine having a guy that I, you know, come over and stay that had never, that had no couch surfing reviews um, because there were six of us there. And, you know, I don't know, like at the worst, I always think like, okay, what's the worst that can happen here? And I don't know, there might be some petty theft or something, but chances are it's going to be totally fine. Um, and I've never had a negative experience. Um, but yeah, there's, there's reviews on Airbnb and on couch surfing from both sides. Uh, and, uh, generally people, you know, they'll start off and it'll be kind of hard when you have no reviews, but after a while you get a bunch and then it's just easy to ask to stay with people because they can read all of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm slowly building my reviews on my Airbnb page and that's, that's what I use for picking out places as well. I was actually looking at um, Airbnbs in Peru today. I don't know if Elliot mm-hmm. told you, but yesterday him and I booked a trip to, uh, to Peru. Yes. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. How long are you going to be there for? Just one too week. short. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Just, just one quick week. We're renting a car. So we are going to be on, you know, be able to make our own path through, through the country. But I think we're pretty much going to go from Lima to Peru. I mean, Lima to uh, Cusco to see uh, Machu Picchu and yeah. you know, find, find spots in between. And he left it up to me to plan it. So uh, we're going to be on a timeline, Elliot. I don't know if you're aware. I guess no, you are. <laughs> I thought we were just going to Lima and then figuring yeah, it out from there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he already has like three nights booked. <laughs> I was looking at Airbnbs, and it's incredible how cheap it is in in mm-hmm. Lima. Um, I was looking at like which neighbor. I was googling today like which neighborhood is is the best to stay in and go out in, and we're not getting our first night there. I don't even think we land until like 11 p.m. Dang. So yeah. I'm I'm thinking we go straight to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after 10 hours of travel. Sorry, 10, 17 yeah. hours of travel. Yeah, it's a 17. Yeah. So when we booked that, I think Elliot and I were just so excited. So uh, the trip total round trip from Philadelphia was only $485. Dang. Yeah. yeah. So, so we saw that and we jumped on it and we were so excited <laughs> that I don't think either of us looked at the seven hour layover in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. <laughs> nope. We saw it afterwards so and we're just we like, saw it oh, we'll go to the beach. Whatever. You know, so. <laughs> So Elliot, you know, so being the planner that I am, I already looked into the beach in in location to the, 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 it's only 15 minutes away. There's a good pier bar. Yeah. There's a good pier bar 15 minutes away from the airport. So, you know, we land in Fort Lauderdale. We have seven hours. We'll Uber (laughs) to the docks, drink. We can sit on the beach if we want. I am going to try to find us some showers or something on the beach. Go back (laughs) to the airport and we'll be good. We'll be on our way to Peru. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to take advantage of the long layovers if you can. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, if we don't leave the airport, I have a feeling that we're all going to be hammered because the only other thing to do for seven hours with, uh, you know, it's, it's another guy with us, three guys in the airport for seven hours. We're going to end up spending <laughs> a lot of money and time at that bar yeah. is what's going to yeah. happen. And we're so. just going to get on each other's nerves. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. just drinking yeah. for seven hours. Yeah. So we, we have not in Peru. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Have you been? Yeah. You been the, no, I've not. No, I've never been to Peru. Um, it's definitely on the list, but it's cool that you know, like those the Uber and Airbnb and all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of debate about that having an effect on the economy of hotels and taxis and stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, those services are just they fit more what people are looking for. I, th- I think especially Airbnb, being able to like cook your own meals and feeling like you're in a home rather than, you know, a hotel where like, <laughs> God knows, God knows what has happened in that room. <laughs> um, right. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think those, those resources in the last, you know, even just in the last five years have made traveling a lot more of a comfortable experience because you can go somewhere else and then still feel like you have, you know, the things that you're used to. Um, and yeah, a big one for me is definitely being able to cook. Um, just, you know, it saves a lot of money to be able to go to the grocery store instead of having to eat out three meals a day. Uh, 
And it, it just feels nice to come home to somewhere that actually feels like homey rather than um, having it be sort of like a, you know, just those crisp white, like gross right. yeah. hotel sheet situation. Yeah. 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 Th- those, those apps aren't going anywhere. It, it It's yeah, eliminated no. so much friction in like the travel world with people just the ease of like, you know, having your own door to unlock and go into your own place. It's they, those economies are going to have to adjust because those apps and those, those services are here to stay. That's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, Uber, for example, like, uh, when I went to Vietnam, we went to Vietnam and Cambodia, the guy that I was dating at the time. And, um, we got totally scammed by this taxi. Um, and then we were like, why didn't we just (laughs) like, why didn't we just use Uber? (laughs) And we did mm-hmm. from then on. Um, and so that, that was kind of a nice, you know, that's a standardized service and they, the price is up front. You, you know, you know what it is before you even get in the vehicle. And that that's a really big scam, um, especially in, especially in Cambodia is the taxi, the taxi drivers with these fake meters that just kind of like spin and spit out a random number at the end. Um, right. And, and, and so like that kind of stuff has made it more enjoyable too, because I don't know. It's just, it never feels fun to be taken advantage of. I know that it's a privilege to travel, but um, that can be really, I don't know, kind of heartbreaking for me when you realize that someone has just done something so intentionally mean to you. Yeah. You're just like, man, come on. They both provide <laughs> like, certainty, which is nice, and a world yeah. of uncertainty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're kind of grasping for those things that you're like, okay, yeah, I know. I know how much this is going to cost, and I know where I'm going to go. And yeah. 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 Some of the some of the arguments against Airbnb and Uber have been that it's taken away jobs and it's taken away some of the potential for hotels and others to succeed. But on the other hand, you have these people that are still locals driving for Uber. They're renting out their place. <laughs> and if anything, it's more of a local economy rather than going and staying at a big hotel that is headquartered a thousand miles away. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, there's an opportunity for hotels and for taxi companies to adjust, you know, if they, if they want to be competitive on this new market, you know, hotels need to, to be hotel rooms that have kitchenettes and are, and are not, you know, just those same carpets and sheets. And, you know, you can, you can make a hotel be, you know, a more homey experience, And, you know, there's a lot of hostels that I've stayed in that are kind of like that where there's, yeah, there's like 20 or 30 rooms, but it it still feels like it's a more home-like environment and there's, you know, a nice living room area and a kitchen and um, you can meet people while you're staying there. And there's no reason hotels can't transition to that direction and, you know, why taxi companies can't have the same kind of app for their city or whatever. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, any, anytime those kinds of things are changing. Jobs are going to, are going to be lost in some arena, but, um, they can be, there can be jobs. Yeah. Just like you said, those same jobs can sort of reappear in a different format and provide more services that fit more with what people are looking for. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of either adjusting or, or completely being eliminated from the market. Um, unfortunately that's just the way, the way it's going. Yeah. Totally. So uh, we we kind of got a little bit away from your back your bike packing trip. Yes, which, let's oh, go yeah. back to that. I'm, I'm still I'm still really curious yeah. even how you decided. Like what? Yeah. What prompted this? Was it was it planned? I mean, I know you had time to plan for it, but did you always want to do this? Was this something that just came up out of the blue? And how long before you decided that you were going to do it? And the time that you actually did do it. Um, yeah, so that's actually kind of an interesting story. So in 2016, um, uh, Justin Beebe, who worked on my fire crew, uh, was killed on a fire in, um, Nevada. And, um, it was, uh, like pretty big traumatic experience for everybody. Um, and actually I think, I don't know, I think it was almost half the crew. There's, there's 20 of us and, it was somewhere around half the crew within a month after that had booked uh, a ticket somewhere national or domestically or internationally. Um, Cause I don't know, for me, that's always been, travel's always been sort of a 
therapeutic thing in some ways. It always makes me feel like more centered and balanced. And when I come home, I feel like ready for life again. Um, and so that actually was kind of weirdly, not weirdly, I guess, but interestingly, the kick for me to do this trip, which I had wanted to go on a bike packing trip for, for a couple of years. Um, and I just had never, you know, for a while I thought, I thought it was something that I should do with somebody else. Cause I didn't really know that much about bicycle mechanics and, um, yeah, for a while I, I just didn't do it. Cause I was honestly, cause I was kind of scared to, to take that leap and just go to a foreign country with a bicycle and hope for the best, you know? Um, and then after that happened, I was like, screw it. <laughs> this is something I wanted to do. It was kind of one of those, like, life is short. And that's been very clearly presented to me um, through this terrible event. And, uh, yeah, so I, I booked that ticket uh, a few weeks after he was killed. And then um, and I, cha I actually changed the ticket because I originally booked it for October, I think. But uh, my work schedule was was weird, and so I ended up changing it to um, December and January. Um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of what finally kicked me into gear to do it. And then um, you know, spent a while on Craigslist just trying to find a bike that would work for it, which in the end didn't matter because I couldn't bring that bike with me anyway. Mm. Um, and uh, ended up just getting a mountain bike down there. And luckily, this town of jeez, oh, I think it was like. 60,000 people or, or I got all the parts that I needed in Santiago and then, um, flew on a smaller plane from Santiago and, uh, yeah, ended up getting the bike down there and just, yeah, just gave myself like a couple days to sort of reorganize since I was, and nothing was going really according to plan at that point. Um, and then just kind of took off. Did you do that? Were you alone or did you have someone that you did it with? Nope, I was alone. Um, so I ended up. Wow. Yeah, uh, I met this guy Kier, who I ended up biking with for, I think actually only maybe a week or five days out of the month that I was down there. But other than that, pretty much the days were alone. And then every sometimes I would meet people at campsites. Sometimes I was like stealth camping, so it wasn't. I mean, there was no formal site or anything. It was just like. I mean, you're, you're so exhausted at the end of 10 hours of biking anyway that it's like you could literally sleep in the middle of the highway and you would not, like yeah. nothing would wake you up, which was really awesome actually to just be that tired um, was was in some ways helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, but most days I was just alone and at the, at the beginning it rained for a week. The first week it rained pretty much every day, all day. <laughs> and that was wow. terrible. And I called my mom and I was just like, what have I done? <laughs> um, and then it cleared up and I got really lucky with the weather actually for pretty much the rest of the trip. It's a super windy, um, it's a super windy area. So the winds were pretty consistent the whole time. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that got lucky with the weather for the last three weeks and, yeah, just it sounds just like did a the thing. Good, good allegory, good metaphor for how you felt in the weather. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, oh to yeah. See, like, a, do you have like a route map or anything? I, I'm curious to just actually see it on a map. And yeah, that that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I could definitely send it to you. I I like recorded most of the days on Gaia GPS, which actually I would highly recommend um, using that app. If you if you're doing some kind of naturey, it's you know it's got topo maps and everything. And you the disadvantage is that you do have to you have to have cell phone service or Wi-Fi or whatever to download the maps. But then once they're downloaded, you can keep them in your phone, um, and you know you can reference them for whatever topo stuff. And then there's random features on there too, like there's water sources and historic sites and all kinds of random stuff that people, I think it's just crowdsourced information. Um, but yeah, that's, that was a really helpful app. And I, I recorded most of the days. I think I ended up doing like 850 or 900 miles, but yeah. Wow. But definitely. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, so what did, what it, does that work out to a day? Like 30 to, Oh no, way more than that. What'd you do per day? Uh, like 60? Let's see. What 
what is that math? Um, I mean, it averages to about 30, 30 miles per day. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably around 30. There were, you know, there were, most of it's not paved. Uh, and I was on a mountain bike. So um, I think there were, there was like one day where I did like 70 or something. And that was insane. But I think most <laughs> days it was yeah, somewhere between like 30 and 50. Okay. Yeah, that's still pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Have and you... it was, it's good time of year to do that because you have, you know, pretty much endless daylight. It it was light all the time so i never really felt rushed like i was never trying to beat the sunset yeah did you so santiago did you go north or south south okay oh so yeah. you were you were chasing sunlight <laughs> yeah it was summer there yeah and i think yeah and a lot of people this is kind of i didn't know this until i was meeting them but it's apparently somewhat popular to bike from Alaska all the way to the southern tip of Chile. Um, and, you know, people take varying amount of times to do it or they do it in sections or whatever. But I met people who had been on their bicycle for two years. Like, wow. just, that was oh, their life. That is so cool. Yeah. That to, yeah. yeah. What, do you know, does that have a name? I mean, is it like, the, I know, like, the Appalachian Trail and Pacific Crest Trail are really well known, but this is I, uh, this has got to be popular. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I never really looked into it because honestly, that is, <laughs> it's not appealing to me. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure, it's... I'm sure there's some name that people who have done that have come up with. But um, Pan American Highway. Yeah. So cycling from Alaska to Argentina, the Pan American Highway. I just Googled it. Wow. And uh, oh, yeah, cool. it's a thing. It's a thing. Wow. Yeah. That so awesome. that's the other really nice thing about this route and part of the reason that i chose to do this is because there's literally one road <laughs> and you <laughs> cannot get lost <laughs> like oh that's you great. know sometimes there's these little side highways but they always come back to the pan-american highway and that's it like there's no there's no complicated navigating there's no chance to you know get off stuck in some mountains somewhere really you're just on this highway and um and that's all you get and some areas you know right outside the cities obviously are more heavily trafficked um, but then for the most part, you know, it's a, it's still a very rural area, even though it's technically a highway. Um, and so, you know, you pretty much have it to yourself most of the time. Wow. And, and so, so you're, you're on this bike and you're just biking all day. And I mean, I'm sure that the view is amazing mountains, right? It's very mountainous uh -huh. country. So you have these yeah. mountains on either side of you. And then yep. did you know, like in advance when you set out that day where you would end up? 30 miles down the road or did you just say i feel like you know i biked enough for today here's a town i'm gonna you know sleep here you know uh recharge get some food get some water and then hit hit the road again yeah um so most most days i mean i so like i said i had that gaia map and that was kind of how i would plan things um i would generally set a goal but it was not uh like it was not hard and fast that I needed to get there. Um, and there were, there were a couple nights, like one night I try, <laughs> my mom was these are like the things that I don't tell my mom. Um, <laughs> like there was, there was one night that I, you know, kind of like I was trying to find a spot and I just, there was nothing good. And I just ended up kind of curling up like under a bridge for a while until it got light again and then just kept going. Um, but you know, most mom of the time, I would not like was, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but i mean most of the time so the thing that's kind of interesting about this highway is that uh it used to be you know land land ownership was kind of you know not not super regulated but now it is and there are a lot of fences and it's mostly just pastures like there's a lot of um there's a lot of sheep and there's a lot of cows uh so I mean, definitely there were a couple nights where I would just go knock on somebody's door and be like, hey, can I just sleep in your field? And they would be like, yep. And then they would just bring me coffee in the morning and be like, you're weird. <laughs> and I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> and I'd just go on about my day. Um, and there was one time I got caught in like this hailstorm. And uh, this guy I ended up crashing in his house actually for a couple nights because the weather was really bad and it was like snowing, which was very unexpected. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I had to like cross a river with my bike to, cause there was no bridge cause it had washed, washed out like a few years earlier. Um, 
and I almost like lost everything down the river and oh my God. <laughs> um, you know so like they were definitely they were definitely sketchy trying to find places to stay moments. Um, but then, you know, if I did have some place that I really wanted to get to, it generally was, it was feasible. I didn't set goals that I couldn't achieve. Um, there are a few national parks along the way that have, you know, organized campsites with fire pits and all that stuff. So, um, that was an option for a few nights. And then when I did get to town, I would try to find, you know, a hostel or, uh, or an Airbnb or something to crash in for the night. And that was always, there were always things that were open. Cause I kind of got there right before the heavy tourist season. So, um, I wasn't really fighting too much with other people to find places to stay. But that is, that is an, it's an, truly an incredible experience. I'm re- very impressed. Um, I was not expecting, uh, yeah, th- this great story. When, uh, we <laughs> this conversation, this is incredible. I'm kind of blown away by it. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> I only pick the best. It's just one of those things. That, <laughs> yeah. Um, I always feel like at the end of the day, when it comes to traveling, uh, it's one of those things where you never really know how how adaptable you can be until you just do it. Um, you know, you're just in these situations, and um, you just have to deal with them. And I think. That for me, that's been one of the most valuable experiences about traveling, and especially about traveling alone, is that um, you just you just find yourself in these situations that you know you you don't you can't anticipate any of this stuff, right? Like the weather being crazy and having to ford a river with your bike to try to find a place to crash for the night. Like those are things you just don't you don't imagine and you don't plan for. But when you're in them, you just do it. And um, I think. If traveling has taught me anything, it's kind of that, that I feel like you're always a little bit more resilient and a little bit more adaptable than you give yourself credit for, um, especially when you're doing it the way that I do it, which is pretty much, <laughs> you know, zero, zero planning. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, but I, I love that stuff. It always makes me feel empowered and um, just, you know, I always feel a little bit more capable when I come back from stuff like that, um, just that you know, you can get through things like that and, and come out the other side a little bit tired and, uh, you know, but, but having learned something really awesome about yourself and usually having met some really amazing people that have helped you along the way. And do you feel like you succeeded in what your intent was when you left after Justin had passed away? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other, so also while I was on that trip, my grandmother passed away. Um, oh, and I, yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of difficult too, because, um, that was my, she was my last grandparent or, um, and, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was definitely a learning experience in terms of just, you know, having to go through that stuff alone. You know, I, I heard from my family, um, but then, you know, I had to keep biking that day and I had to get to the next spot cause I had to make my flight at the end of the trip to get back to Santiago and, uh, you know, that, that was again, sort of just one of those things of unexpected resilience where it's like, well, you know, you know, I don't know, for me, my grandparents were always super supportive of, of the fact that I do these weird things sometimes. And, um, you know, it was, it was comforting to know that even though I wasn't going to be able to be there for like her funeral and everything that this kind of thing is exactly what she would be wanting me to do. Cause she, she loved that her grand, her grandkids did all kinds of different things and were all over the world and, um, exploring their interests. Um, so yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped. It helped with Justin a lot. Um, just being able to really process that for, for a good month. Um, and it, it helped. It always is a good reminder for me, like every, like the anniversary of his death was, uh, just, about 10 days ago. Uh, it's been two years now. And, you know, that, that's always what we talk about when we talk about him too, is like, he was, he was out here living in Montana doing exactly what he wanted to be doing. He was fishing all the time, which he loved. Um, and he was working as a firefighter on a hotshot crew, which is exactly what he wanted to be doing. Um, and so like on those trips and stuff, I always try to keep that in mind that, you know, these, yeah, this is exactly like where I want to be. And it's definitely a context that helps me process all that stuff with other people. And now have you thought about doing it in a different continent? 
is there any is there any plan to maybe conquer conquer new land yeah yeah totally there's always a plan to conquer new land (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i'd love to i'd love to bike around europe uh it would be a very different experience and um i and i know that you know patagonia was is mountainous but the highway doesn't really go over there's a few mountain passes but they're not super challenging um it's definitely it's a it takes a lot out of you but it's doable and so you know some of the stuff that i'd like to bike through in europe is like actual gigantic you know through the alps and stuff those are those are big mountains yeah (laughs) and the roads go all the way up them you know so um that's just kind of a different context. Um, and I did, I learned a lot about just the amount of stuff that you really need on those kinds of trips is always less than you think. And I met a lot of people on that trip, um, who, who just had so much stuff and, you know, 12 different bags all over their bikes and, um, just a lot of weight. And I kind of, over the course of that trip, just gave away more and more stuff. And, um, yeah, I think I'd like to learn more about how to do that basically as minimal as possible. And then, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to bike around Switzerland or, um, I know people do that around New Zealand and stuff and yeah, I don't have any specific spots, but, um, I definitely would like to go on another bikepacking trip here whenever I have the, the time and the money to do it again. Well, if you're looking for yeah. someone to join you, I, yeah. I will volunteer <laughs> myself and I'm yeah, sure Amanda yes. would want to do it. I Bob, oh, yeah. I can't, I can't speak for you. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Might yes. have to uh, reteach myself how to how to uh, ride a bike, but I'm in. <laughs> you can. We can just get a tandem one. You and I can ride together. You know, I like that idea. Or just you like know, a little. No, back I actually in did. Back. I met a couple on this trip that was on a on a tandem bicycle. They were killing it. They were they were kicking my butt every day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's because one of them could work and the other didn't have to, and then they could switch. Yeah. Or they yeah. could both work at the there. same yeah. time and go twice as fast. That's how it works. Yeah, yep, totally. <laughs> Physics, yes. Yes. <laughs> now, like, in, in preparation and during this bike ride, did you take, like, diet in, into consideration? Were you trying to eat incredibly healthy, to, or were you just eating whatever you could, you know, whenever you uh, stopped somewhere? Yeah, I mean, when you're out that far, it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing fresh really. I was eating, I would eat usually a pound of pasta every night for dinner, like the full bag of it with an, a t- complete, like a total can of tomato sauce. And then I had some, um, I bought a bunch of dehydrated vegetables when I was in Santiago, um, mushrooms and geez, what else did I have? Peppers and, um, what else? And then I just always would have, you know, you can always get root stuff. So like onions and potatoes were always, even in these small towns, they would have them in the little kiosks or or stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it was just a lot, a lot of peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and it was actually kind of cool. So every one of these little towns, there's some woman who just makes bread um, and sells it out of her house. So you just kind of bike around until you find the house that says pan, which is the Spanish word for bread, like in the window somewhere. And you just knock on their door and they're like, how many do you want? And then you just buy. Usually they would just be kind of these little rolls. But it was awesome because I basically had fresh bread, you know, every day or every other day, uh, which makes peanut butter and jelly way better than like the, (laughs) you know, the spiced bread that we get i mean it was just white bread it wasn't like healthy bread or anything but right. um but it was yeah fresh. and then just yeah but then just you know a lot of the the staples of you know doing outdoorsy stuff like that just trail mix and chocolate and you know just whatever high calorie as lightweight as possible foods that you can get but um yeah and then you know just have oatmeal usually with some dehydrated fruit in it in the morning um, and then just peanut butter and jelly all day, all day long. <laughs> where, where did you get water? Um, there's water all over down there. Um, I and I just, I had mean. a filter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, it's a Sawyer filter that I had with me, which you just squeeze the water through the filter. And it's a, I think it's a ceramic filter, um, which, you know, is fine when you have water that is that it's coming straight out of like mountain streams. 
Um, I mean, you could literally like you could look up and be like, oh, yeah, the glacier is right there. And then it comes down and this is where my water is. (laughs) Um, No, no. (laughs) Which, yeah, would require a very different type of filtration. Um, So, yeah, the the water situation, honestly, was was never a problem. And I would have, uh, you know, one of those like two liter Coke bottles that you can stick upside down in a um, water bottle carrier on your bike. Um, and then, and then just like a camel back that I would drink out of, out of my backpack during the day. So I don't know, you may not be able to answer this right now, but (laughs) I do want to ask if you could give an estimation, how much do you think you spent on food a day or at least ate through food a day? Um, yeah, so my, I actually tried to budget that out, which I then threw my entire budget out when I had to buy a bicycle unexpectedly. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I think I, I wanted to budget like 20, like $20 or less a day on food. And I definitely, it was definitely under that. Um, cause yeah, I would buy, you know, I would try to plan ahead two or three days for food and that would be a pound, you know, a, a bag of pasta per day and then trying to plan like four or five peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and just however much oatmeal I could fit in the um in the pot that I had which actually was funny that pot it's a one person pot it was not big enough for one person who's biking <laughs> like that every day Maybe. I sometimes like I would have to make it multiple times like pasta you can't you couldn't fit a whole pound of pasta in this pot that I had and that was annoying <laughs> cuz I would have to make dinner like twice every night um <laughs> but uh that was a good that was a good thing to learn but yeah it was definitely it was less than twenty dollars a day wow that's pretty impressive um when you when you camped did you cook pasta or did you just stick to the peanut butter and jelly and trail mix um no i I cooked yeah i had a little camp stove with me um and that was another bit of a problem was the fuel situation um, I had a camp stove that I brought with me, but it didn't work with the fuel canisters that they had in country there. So I actually ended up having to get a different stove at their version of REI um, so that it would fit with the fuel that I could get like at the at the gas stations or at the little um, grocery stores along the way. Is their version of REI Patagonia, I hope? <laughs> No, I don't know. I actually don't know if they have a Patagonia in Patagonia. That's yeah. that's be funny. I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah. um yeah, it was kind of interesting to learn about like the land use stuff cuz you know um Doug Doug Tompkins who started the North Face um has bought up quite a bit of land down there and turned it into national parks and there's obviously some pretty contentious debate over doing that. Um and, uh, yeah, it was interesting to talk to people about how they felt about that. Cause you know, for a lot of people that was like land that they had previously used for grazing. And in a lot of cases it was really overgrazed, which is why Doug Tompkins felt compelled to intervene in the first place. But, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like this population that's been there for way longer than this white man, <laughs> um, classic, like colonial stuff, you know, and, yeah. uh, so it, that was that was an interesting thing to learn about. I didn't really know that much about like land use and land development down there, and I learned quite a bit just biking through those parks and talking to the employees and stuff who were working there. It's interesting because I'm on Google um, Google Maps right now, and you can't go to Street View pretty much anywhere in that southern <laughs> portion of Chile. Whereas, yeah, yeah Argentina is lights up blue, but yeah. most of those parks, I guess, I guess they're just still so new that. Yep. That they don't have that. That you know, Google hasn't been down there yet. No. So um, like Parque Parque Patagonia, um, I think just got turned over to the the government of Chile. I think about a year ago. It might even be less than that. Um, yeah. So a lot of that stuff is really new development. And I started. So I flew into Santiago, and then I flew from there to Puerto Montt. If you're looking at the map. I am. I see that. Yep. Yep, and then I biked from there um, down to uh, yeah. So there, so there's a bunch of like ferries involved and stuff too, which was really cool because um, that's a lot easier actually to navigate on a bike um, than it is to to do in a car. Um, 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, you go through some just incredible stuff and that was, that was another important thing was, um, I wanted to be able to stop and do side trips when I found interesting stuff to do. Like, um, I went kayaking through some limestone caves, um, with some, yeah, with some British people that I met down there, which I actually, that was, that was really cool. I got to do that for free because the guy who was leading it did not speak English and the other, the British, this couple didn't speak any Spanish. And so he was like, if you can translate for me, which I could sort of, <laughs> I could sort of translate for him. Hey, it, <laughs> he was like, works. you can just come. I yeah. Think, and I, I was like, earn the, the title of translator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely took advantage of that and uh, got to do that for free, which was awesome. Um, but then the next biggest town south of there is Koyaike, which is um, quite a ways. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of little towns on the way. And, you know, it's it's all stuff that you just kind of have to be there to find out about. You can't, like I said before, it's just not, it's like a lot of it's not Googleable things. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to leave it open enough that I didn't feel like I had to be on the bicycle every day that I could stop and go, you know, do other interesting stuff or do go for day hikes in those parks if I wanted to, which I, I did end up doing that. So that, that would, I guess that would be my other piece of advice is like, you know, it's, it's always nice to leave a few days, um, on just a few extra days that are just open in case something else interesting comes up and you do, you want to just spend a day doing something you didn't plan on you know, you can push your plans back a day and have it not uh, screw up your entire plan. I feel like that was directed towards me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, just a little bit. (laughs) Noted, noted, yeah, for sure. Yeah, That sounds like an amazing trip, and I'm hoping one day maybe maybe I'll get down there, bring bring Amanda along. Yeah, it's very doable. I think in terms of first bike packing trip it's it's good it was definitely allowed me to get into it without feeling like i didn't i was you know the learning curve was steep but manageable and uh yeah i would definitely say it's a good spot to go well i say we uh we make an agreement now to tentatively schedule a biking trip some point in the future somewhere yeah yes somewhere (laughs) sometime we'll leave it (laughs) open-ended We'll leave it okay. incredibly open-ended. Oh, no. Are you going to be able to handle that? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start planning now. Just I'll make one plan for each country just in case. <laughs> He's not kidding. Great. I have my hands full with Peru now. And a baby. Yeah. And a baby. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah well, you got to get – you can bring a baby. You got to get one of those uh, front seat things and put it on the bike. Oh, you yeah. can take the baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that needs to be a podcast. Which country should baby go in first or two first? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So, all right, Lena. Thank you for joining the show. And before we go, I did want to ask you if you had any other pieces of advice that you could give to aspiring travelers. Ooh. Mm. Use uh yeah, use the social traveling sites as much as possible, couch surfing and Airbnb. And I'd say especially if you're new to traveling, um, couch surfing in particular, because it does set you up so nicely to meet people. Um and, and you know, I met a lot of lot of couples traveling together that way, uh, a lot of communal spaces that come out of those um websites and then you know just classic hostels and stuff if you're if you're new to traveling it's just the the people are really what make it like the landscapes can be amazing and you know you can see some really great architecture history or whatever um but as with anything in life those things are always better experienced um with other people so you know if you're if you're setting yourself up to meet new people that's just only going to add good things to your traveling experience Awesome. Do you have any, do you have a travel page that you want people to know about or follow you on or anything like that? Um, I pretty much, I did have a blog when I was doing it. I lived out of my car for like three months and traveled over all over the United States, which is actually how I ended up out West to begin with. Um, 
but that was in 2014. So anyway, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> pretty much what I do for any online presence now. And that's uh, my last name, Montopoli, and then my first name, Lena, all combined. It's Montopolina on Instagram. Montopolina. I love it. Montopolina. Yeah. Love it. Nice. Right. Well, thank you very well, thank- much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks you guys. This is awesome. awesome I'm podcast. glad you're doing this. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's our show for today. Oh, well, what an amazing story. That just sounds like it's such an exciting trip. I am exhausted. <laughs> I know. My legs are just tired listening to how much biking she did. Yeah. I, I like the part where she slept under the bridge. It just um, sounds yeah, in- incredible. I, yeah. I really hope her mom doesn't listen to that portion of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to all of us going on that trip. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, all right, everyone. So... Thanks for listening. Don't forget to reach out to us with any questions and leave your comments on iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, and check out our Patreon page if you're interested, uh, or just feel free to send us an email and contact, contact us directly. Talk to you soon. 